Welcome back, back to another, another edition, edition of the, Big of the Daily Interlake Sports Now. Panel. We got Mark Nelke of the CDA Press and Fritz Neighborlake. Fritz Neighbor of the Daily Interlake. I just combined Fritz Neighborlake. I guess that's a new one, but it's one of those days we were just talking about how, how it was a long weekend. <laughs> Fritz Neighborlake. No, Fritz Neighbor of the Daily <laughs> Interlake here. Big Sky Now Media Panel. We'll dive into this thing. No Ian Bavona this week, but we'll get into this. Fritz, why don't we lead? Right in with you, your performance of the week, and then we'll kind of go around the circle. Well, I got to go probably with uh, Clifton McDowell. You know, um, yeah, he looked as sharp as he's looked all year. Sharpeners looked all year in that little eight-minute span where they built a 21-7 lead. Things kind of slowed down from there, and I thought we might see uh, uh, young Mr. Ayat come in. But right when you're thinking, you know, they better score, they scored on the longest touchdown play in his history. So I got to go with that guy. I, I watched it up close. I guess it's a little bit of recency bias, but uh, it's hard to argue with the Big Sky Player of the Week. Yeah, I was going to say Big Sky Player of the Week. And one quick comment, then we'll get to Mark. McDowell's really evolved as a passer. I think coming into the year, there was a lot of talk. He was kind of the running quarterback. That dude can sling it. He's got an arm. That touchdown pass, longest in Montana history, kind of says it all when you're connecting with a pass like that. So, heck of a heck of a talent, McDowell. Mark, what about you, performance of the week? Yeah, sadly, I had Clifton McDowell written down too. So, and I know the Eastern had a kid on defense that had a had a really nice game. That I figured if Ian was on here, he would he would have brought him up. So I kind of saved him for for Ian. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Montana's looking a lot better the last few weeks. You know, especially with McDowell at quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hitting their stride at the right time. I got to give a big shout out to the Grizzlies defense for locking down Sac State. But I'm going to go my performance the week just to switch it up a little bit. UC Davis running back, Land Larson, three touchdowns, 136 yards on 25 carries. Really stands out because they needed that one to stay alive for the playoff race. The Grizzlies, they're in a position they probably could have dropped one, still made the playoffs. So that's a big uh, win for the Aggies trying to make that playoff run. And Larson's been a big part of that offense all year. Thought we'd give him a shout out on the show. The Caldwell Idaho products definitely had a big year for the Aggies. Yeah. So the steer wrestling. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I was doing some of my homework. I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense why I went to the Aggies. Then it's a perfect fit. <laughs> um, but all, all right, uh, I did want to get your guys' reaction to Montana's win over Sac State. We talked about it a little bit, but just kind of a big-time performance, top-ten battle. Fritz have kind of had an up-and-down season, and that was a bit of a statement win. Mark, will get to you and then go to Fritz. Yeah, I think that kind of kind of showed the difference between the top three teams in the league and the, and the next tier, you know, Montana, Montana State and Idaho at the upper tier and then and then um, Sac State, you know, just a, a notch below. I, I really it also kind of shows that, you know, teams that can only do one thing, you know, how you know, offensively, it's a little harder for them. And, you know, um, Sac State is a running team. They can throw it a little bit, but not much. Uh, Montana can throw a little bit better these these days and, you know, Surprise! They're they're also playing better too because they can pass and run. Right in the modern era of college football, it's tough to be a one-dimensional. We saw what happened to the Bobcats versus the Vandals. Got a little tough just trying to lie on the run. They had to throw the football. Changes your style for sure. No good point, Mark. How about you, Fritz? Just reaction to that one. I know you were down there at Washington Grizzly electric electric atmosphere for sure in that one. Yeah, it was pretty electric. Uh, you know, there was a lot of maroon and silver there, but the silver was a lot of uh, empty bench. <laughs> Uh, they keep announcing crowds at 25 plus, but uh, there's not that many people getting there by game time. Um, I have to go with the defense. It was really, I mean, aside from what Clifton 
was able to do, hooking up with Keelan White. Um, the defense has, has just been so stout. And, you know, you figure they they lost a kid to the NFL. Um, they lost their career tackler to graduation. And uh, it's a much better defense. I, I, and they changed coordinators. So we kind of wondered how it was going to go. They still run the odd man front, which is kind of a worry after the way it went last year, mm-hmm. especially at the, late in the season. But, you know, and I, I was looking at the stats, and I'm like, who do they have who's all big side? I, maybe Braxton Hill. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ryder Meyer at safety. Uh, you know, maybe Trav and uh, Gradney. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's just not a bunch of uh, all-star NFL prospects. But they pour them up and tackle people and uh, have enough speed to close down the corners and sides. And, oh, it's just been pretty remarkable how well they played on that side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt about it. I remember we talked earlier this year, it might have been our Grizzlies football preview. We said something kind of like, last year they had the star power. We might see a better overall defensive unit this year because so many returning guys, and slowly but surely they've gelled and really meshed and become a special unit. My big takeaway from that one, Mark had a great point about the tiers in the conference. You could really see the difference in the Grizzlies and Sac State, and it's really apparent Sac State's a little bit down from last year. They've been a power. They're more in that second tier now. And the Grizz, I said earlier this year on the show, maybe they didn't have an identity on offense. That was kind of my complaint. I remember Mark asked, what's wrong with the Grizz? We were all kind of wondering. Now they have that identity. McDowell, quarterback, Gilman at running back. They're running the heck out of the football. And McDowell does a good job of extending plays, getting out of the pocket a little, and he finds the open man downfield, whether it's play action or just broken plays. So all of a sudden it feels like they're gelling at the right time, and there is something you can expect week in and week out or before it was kind of like, what am I going to do with the Grizz offense? I just didn't know. And I feel like they made that leap the last couple of weeks and Sacramento state was kind of the exclamation point for them. No doubt about it. And of course that Grizz defense is just out of their minds right now. I did want to ask you guys with the win over Sac state, Montana head coach, Bobby Howe broke the all time big sky wins record for coach 124th career win. Just kind of interesting. I don't want to look too far ahead, but is this one of those records that could be untouchable for a while? Does anybody jump out as potential, potentially making a run at that in the foreseeable future? We have, Paul Wolf, Cal Poly, 56 career wins. Eastern Washington's Aaron Best, 44 career wins. And Dan Hawkins at UC Davis has four, uh, 37 career wins. So that all being said, do you guys see anybody kind of making a run at that in the next foreseeable future? Is that one of those records you're talking like, hey, Garrett's home run for a long time. Like, Nobody's breaking that, of course, so eventually that happened. But point being, uh, Mark, we'll start with you and go around the circle. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, in, in general, obviously, and Fritz knows this, the Big Sky is mostly a kind of a stepping stone league for coaches. You know, they have a few good years and somebody with more money and a little higher up the food chains, you know, scarfs them up. I mean, it happened to Mr. Houck a few years ago, remember? And if he had a little better success there, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. So, um, the, the other ones that you listed, Paul Wolf, I, I don't you know, he might stay around long enough to get close. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how many games I'll win at Cal Poly. You know, Aaron Best, kind of the same thing. I don't know about Hawkins, but I, I mean, I, I would say, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to get. I mean, that's quite a gap between 124 and, and 56. So I would say in general, I don't, I don't think anybody of the current coaches is going to come close to that. Yeah, I had, a, I had a feeling we'd get an answer. Like, I don't think we even have a coach in the conference who will be the guy to make that run yet. But, Fritz, what are your thoughts on this one? Just kind of an interesting achievement for Coach Houck and kind of yeah. a testament to Montana football, I guess. Yeah, I kind of t- took a perfect uh, situation for him, you know, two different tenures in Montana. 
won winning a bunch of games both on both sides of his stint at UNLV and then as associate coach down at uh, San Diego State. Um, if I had to pick a dart, of course, I'd say uh, Coach Barney, Bruce Barnum over Portland State because, um, you know, they they had a lot of turnover and he stayed there a while. It's kind of a case where maybe Jerome Sauer, it's sort of like Jerome Sauer's had it in you where he's middle of the pack, occasionally a good team, back to the middle of the pack and had some staying power in Flagstaff. And that's why Jerome got so many wins. He didn't get them all at once, that's mm. for sure. Um, but he stuck there a long time. And I think Bruce might have the same power at Portland State. Uh, Paul Wolf's got, got to win uh, at a bigger clip. You know, they're three and six right now. Can't do it. Can't do it uh, three wins at a time. It's going to take him too long. Yeah, and, uh, no, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, somebody young by Cody, Haw Cody Hawkins. But, you know, uh, Cody Hawkins or uh, we haven't even brought up uh, Vegan. I mean, he's he's probably going to get fucked pretty soon. He's been so good. And the MSU Bobcats have been so successful. I I can't see him sticking around very long. Yeah, Vegan, Coach Eck, and Cody Hawkins all kind of came to mind as guys like the, the potential to break the record, but will we see him do it? Probably not because they're so talented. You expect him to, like you said, use it as a stepping stone. Um, I do think Coach Best at Eastern Washington stands out a little bit. He's been part of that program for on and off for 26 seasons, so he's committed to them. The longevity factor could be there, kind of like Coach Barnum. So, He's a guy to keep an eye on, but yeah, ultimately, like you guys kind of both said, it's going to take a long shot and a lot of longevity and consistency and just kind of racking up those seven, eight win seasons for the next decade to have even a chance. So shout out Coach Howe for the achievement. Just kind of an interesting record where all of a sudden you're like, that might be untouchable for quite some time just because, like you guys said, it's a stepping stone kind of a thing. Coach Eck, heck of a coach. You could see them reeling it off, but somebody might come and grab them. Same with the other names we mentioned. So speaking of Idaho, I did want to kind of get to their win over Northern Colorado. I don't want to be too picky here, but it was kind of a sluggish win over a winless team. Mark, we'll start with you. Any concerns or takeaways from that performance against the Bears? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, obviously it's cliche to say Northern Colorado is better than their winless record, but there were some good things about them in their, in their, all of their losses. And I think for Idaho, they're coming off couple emotional games, Montana and Montana State. So you gotta you gotta give them that. And they kind of run into that the next couple of games with Weaver and Idaho State. And I think you know I think they'll they'll step it up the next couple of weeks. But I think you gotta you gotta give them that one for you know they just kind of went on the road and did what they needed to do to win. Yeah, no well, well said. I had to ask because that was one of those games I was checking the scores. I was kind of oh, just a little upset alert so I threw on the second half kind of watching. Um, you put your uh, reaction to that game, just any takeaways? Well, like Mark said, you know, and I, I covered uh, the Grisby for the Missoula for like nine seasons, and I saw, I saw it a lot where teams got really amped up to beat the Grizz because they were the bully on the block and uh, would play them tough or sometimes beat them, and the next week, nothing in the mm -hmm. and lose. And I sent more than once, and um, for Idaho, you get them back to back, the Cats and the Grizz, or the Grizz and the Cats, get them in order. Mm -hmm. um, schedule maker didn't do him any favors there, but maybe didn't do him a favor by you know, getting him UNC after that. Um, Paul Lamb, I think, is a really good coach. He's going to get him going. And it's yet, like Mark pointed out, another close game. Mm -hmm. Northern Colorado just didn't quite win. I mean, it took a it took a pick six from Marcus Harris to really you know, put it away for the Bandits. Mm -hmm. And good on them. You know, they made the plays that they had to make and uh, show their championship medal.
Yeah, a win's a win in conference play. It was worth asking. I think my only takeaway from that one, I wouldn't say concern necessarily, but they started very slow against Montana, kind of caught up to them. The Grizz were able to pull away. Slow start against Northern Colorado. Of course, they were up 17-0 against the Cal Bears earlier this year. So they can start fast, and they started fast against Montana State. Not something I'm going to look too much into. Come playoff time, though, you don't want to be playing in those close games. Starting slow, you got to have your foot on the gas. So that would be the only thing I'd keep an eye on for the Vandals, those slow starts and just kind of getting into a rhythm quick. But like you guys said, coming off two emotional games, a lot of intensity in those battles, kind of an easy trap game. They took care of business. That's all you can really ask for. Um, we'll move it along. We got our Big Sky game of the week, Eastern Washington at Montana State. This is one of those games that could be interesting. You don't really know what's going to happen. But, Mark, I want to get your thoughts on it. We'll kind of roll through and see what you guys think. Yeah, I think as long as, you know, Vesperis is playing quarterback, Eastern has a chance. So, mm -hmm. you know, with it that way, the, the, the question is, can Eastern stop the run? They haven't stopped the run all year. They're last in the conference in rushing defense. And, uh, Last I heard, Montana State's a pretty good running team. So I think those two factors, if they can at least find a way to slow down the run, make them one-dimensional and, and have Vesperos go crazy, maybe maybe they have a chance. Yeah, how about you, uh, Fritz? Yeah, Vesperos, um, I think Vegan pointed out, Brent Vegan pointed out this week that he's so good on the run, not just running the ball, but throwing on the run, being out of the pocket, extending plays. So he's a problem. But uh, the other thing I, I think is worth mentioning is Eastern's played him so well the last few years. That probably gives them a little bit of confidence. You know, last year it took a fumble at their own 20 for the Bobcats to cast in for a touchdown with under four minutes left. That's what it took for the Cats to beat them a year ago. Um, and, I, you know, they kind of stole one there, um, which is what good teams do. I, I mean, when you rack up as many conference winners as they have, and so few losses, there's going to be one that they, they stole or squeezed out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've looked at the point sprints. I haven't, but I'm sure the Bobcats are a heavy favorite. But Eastern, uh, Eastern's still dangerous. Dangerous team. Chisholm at, at, at receiver, a couple good running backs. Um, I did notice they lost one of their quarterbacks to an ankle. Uh, he took he almost took the opening kickoff back for touchdown. The quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you see that every day. The backup quarterback, not, not, not Ferris. And then, then on his third carry, he got rolled up. But, um, you know, just every year it seems like these are not talented quarterback and the skill positions, and uh, every year they're dangerous. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask. I feel like they have the firepower to make this game interesting. Asparis has been unreal when he's feeling it. The question is, Mark kind of alluded to it, run defense versus that rushing attack. Eastern Washington, I believe, has the sixth worst, worst rush defense in the country. Bobcats are second best in the country. <laughs> That's going to be the big matchup to watch. But we saw the Vandals kind of maybe make a little game plan for teams to challenge the Bobcats. If you can score early versus Montana State, make them play from behind, try to have some long drives, and Eastern has the offense to move the ball, even though the Bobcats do have a great defense. So I do think the Bobcats probably win that one by two touchdowns. But I have a feeling Eastern Washington makes that interesting. Plus, brawl the Wilds in two weeks. Bobcats, it could be a little bit of a trap game. You know, you're going, that's going to be a game that could have conference title implications on the line in two weeks. So, do they look ahead a little bit versus an explosive offense who just dropped 45 points in the first half versus Cal Poly? But still, mm -hmm. they do have that explosive gene that not every team has in them. So, there's a chance it could get interesting. Like we kind of all said, the Bobcats should take care of business. But 
there is a little bit of a formula for the Eagles to make that one interesting. Uh, moving along to the rest of the action, we have Idaho at Weber, Northern Colorado at NAU, Cal Poly at Sac State, UC Davis at Idaho State, and Montana at Portland State. Any other games on your guys' radar or predictions for the week? We'll start with you, Fritz, and then go around and wrap this thing up. Well, you know, speaking of trap games, you know, going out to Hillsborough to play Portland State, which, um, among other things, beat Eastern. Am I correct? Didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's another dangerous team. They really like their quarterback. I think they're missing a couple other key cogs on offense. But, you know, coming off a fairly tough loss to UC Davis on the road, but they're back at home and they're and they're they're playing the uh, the Grizz, and I'm sure they'll be up for it. And then. And there's the fam, the familial thing. Mm. Uh, Bobby's son Robbie's on the Portland State staff, and uh, Bruce Barnum's son Coop is a backup linebacker for the Grizz. So. That's too funny. Yeah, isn't it? And, and then we uh, oh, go for it. So you know, I, I think it's I think it's a game that Grizz should win, but man, it's uh, it, it probably won't be easy. It yeah, never is over there. Yeah, no, no. Well said. That's definitely a game on my radar. Put the words out of my mouth. Potential trap game versus a tough offense. Mark, any other thoughts on this week for you? Yeah, I, I agree with Fritz that it, you know, obviously it's a trap game for Montana. Um, I was looking at Idaho at Weber. I think, I think the Idaho will play better. I think they kind of got their little game out of their system and they'll, you know, they'll start getting some momentum this week and then next week against Idaho State. Um, I was a little disappointed that Idaho State kind of got it taken to them by Weber. I know, you know, Weber's still a good team, good program. But that, you know, we talked about that last week about this is Idaho State's kind of prove it game, and they didn't prove that. And so they kind of have another prove it game this week at home against UC Davis. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what Idaho State, you know, has if they still have it. So, yeah. Speaking of uh, familial ties, we have it is the Hawkins Bowl, Dan Hawkins and Cody Hawkins. So that's a little extra thing in there with that Idaho State UC Davis matchup former offensive coordinator of the Aggies. Both teams are going to have so much familiarity and the father-son aspect, a lot of familiarity. So that's just one of those games that from a football fan standpoint should be fun to watch for both those reasons. I agree. I think Idaho bounces back strong. I'm expecting a big performance from Giovanni McCoy numbers last week. Not that you can look at the stats too much when you're winning, but they weren't his typical numbers. Expect him to bounce back strong. And as for the Grizz, I kind of had the same thought. Could it be a trap game? Portland State has that offense. It's on the road, but the Grizz are coming off eight quarters of allowing seven points in the last two games. So you kind of do the math. They're like, if that defense is clicking, they can shut down anybody right now. It's just going to be a question of do they bring their A game? Are they locked in? Are they, like I said about the Bobcats, could you be looking at that for all the wild going? We have a chance to lock up a conference championship with a win, something like that. So I'm sure Coach Halk will have them prepared and ready to roll, but it's something definitely worth considering. But no, just an, another epic weekend of Big Sky football on the horizon. Two weeks to go. Then we'll be talking playoff action. It's hard to believe this season's already at that point, but here we are. Just any final thoughts for the week, guys? If not, we'll wrap this thing up, and thanks as always for your time. All right. Thank you so much to everybody watching at home. Another edition of the Big Sky Now is in the books. I'm Josh Dugan. Thank you as always, Fritz Neighbor and Mark Nelke for taking the time, and thank you for watching. Everybody have a good one. We're out. <laughs>